0: Do it right now. So, that uh, is another one of the things that we have going on uh, in this next month. Well, today we are continuing in our fall series. Uh, Each week this fall, we are looking at a different children's book and seeing how it addresses one of uh, our issues that we face in life and then how the Bible talks about that. And For these next authors, we could probably do the whole series just on the books that they wrote, because it's Stan and Jan Berenstain, and they have written dozens of books with their namesake, Berenstain Bears. There's Berenstain Bears and the Trouble with Friends, Berenstain Bears Get in a Fight, Berenstain Bears and Too Much Junk Food. But the one we're going to look at today is Berenstain Bears and the Truth. Now, in this book, brother and sister bear, the the little cubs, they are bored. And so, as kids do, they they start to, well, they break some rules. They begin to kick the soccer ball around the living room, which is against their strict no-ball-playing-in-the-house rule. And the ball knocks over Mama Bear's favorite lamp, and it shatters. Just then, Mama comes home, and here's what happens. My lamp, said Mama, my best lamp. What happened, she asked, looking into her cub's eyes. Tell me about it. The cubs looked into Mama's eyes, then at each other. And then they began to tell one of the biggest whoppers that has ever been told in bear country. (laughs) It was a bird, began, brother. Yes, added sister, a big purple bird with yellow feet and green wingtips, added brother, and funny-looking red feathers sticking out of its head, said sister, as a finishing touch. (laughs) As most lies do, the purple bird whopper got bigger and bigger and bigger. Then Papa Bear arrives home, and they try to tell the story again, but it's hard to remember their original lie. (laughs) Mama says that she's not worried about the lamp. They can always get another lamp, or they can glue the broken one back together. But what makes her sad is the thought that her cubs, whom she's always trusted, aren't telling the truth. And trust is not something you can put back together again, she says. Well, finally, the, the cubs fess up and tell the truth. And the book ends by saying that they still occasionally did things uh, that weren't right, like uh, kicking the soccer ball around the room. But it says, but they never, ever again told a whopper, because trust is one thing you can't put back together once it's broken this book promotes the truth and so does this book the Bible in fact the Bible is truth Jesus prays to God the Father in, in John 17 saying your word is truth and if the Bible isn't truth then, then it's really not worth much I mean, sure, some of the stories are entertaining, just as plain literature, but it's really not that great a book if it's just a fiction book. So what makes the Bible so valuable is that it teaches profound truths, profound truths because God's very nature is truth. Isaiah 45 says, I, the Lord, speak the truth." I declare what is right. And in the first chapter of John, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. A little further down it says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus says in in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth in John 16. God's very nature is truthfulness and trustworthiness. If it's not true, it's not of God. In fact, Jesus would say it's the opposite of God. It's of the devil. In John 8.32 Jesus says that if we listen to him and follow him, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But some people would rather listen to a lie. Some of the people listening to him said that that they were children of Abraham. But Jesus says this, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You were doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? "'because you are unable to hear what I say. "'You belong to your father, the devil, "'and you want to carry out your father's desires. "'He was a murderer from the beginning, "'not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. "'When he lies, he speaks his native language, "'for he is a liar and the father of lies.'" "'Truth is of God, lies of the devil.'" The devil never tells the truth, and God never lies. So you might be surprised to hear that the second most influential book of my upbringing, next to the Bible, was a book on how to lie. Specifically, How to Lie with Statistics by Daryl Huff. I found the book in our, our middle school library, and I was fascinated by it. Now, I know it sounds like a book on how to do the devil's work. But really, it actually teaches you how to spot lies and not be led to believe something that's not true just because somebody can spout a lot of statistics. See, believe it or not, intentionally or not, we're being lied to all the time through statistics. You've heard the phrase, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. Well, it's true. Now, one way that, that people lie through, t- through statistics that, uh, that this book revealed to me is what I call chopping off the bottom of a graph. You know, look at this old graph of interest rates, and you look at that graph, something they might uh, print on a website or have in the paper or on the news, and you look at that, and it looks like the interest rates are just shooting way up. But then, if you look a little closer, you see the bottom of the graph starts at 3.14, and it barely rises at all. This next graph, which is the whole graph, shows that interest rates during this period changed so little, you can't even tell it when you look at the whole graph. But if you chop off the bottom, you can make it appear like there's a big change when there really isn't one. So the next graph you look at, see if they've chopped off the bottom and if they're trying to make something look different than it really is. You'd be surprised at how often it's done. And this next graph that we'll look at is the basis for a correlation-causation lie. Now, the graph shows that both... Ice cream consumption and murders go up in the summer. Now that's the truth, that's a true statistic. But where you get into this correlation causation lie is that then somebody says, and that's proof that ice cream consumption causes murders. (laughs) Or, Or vice versa, murders cause ice cream consumption. And that's a lie. Again, how to lie with statistics, correlation does not equal causation. But people believe those kinds of lies or try to get you to believe those kinds of lies all the time. And speaking of ice cream, one can distort, that is, lie, by doing a survey with a very small sample size. You can get the result that you want if you do a small enough sample and you do it often enough. Now, who hasn't heard some kind of claim like uh, two out of three persons prefer one thing over another. We've all heard those kinds of things, right? Well, if you use a small sample size, you can guarantee that you'll get a result like that. For example, let's, let's survey three people about their ice cream preference, chocolate or vanilla. So chocolate or vanilla, which one do you prefer? So let's, let's start. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Vanilla, chocolate, well, there you go, two to one. People prefer chocolate <laughs> two to one over vanilla. In fact, you can repeat that over again. The only result you can get is a two to one or 100%. So let's, do, let's try, try it again. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla, vanilla. chocolate, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate, chocolate. well, there we go, <laughs> two to one chocolate over vanilla. They actually have done this this survey uh, with thousands of people. And vanilla just barely ekes out cho- uh, a win over chocolate. It's close to 50-50. But if you take a small enough sample size, you can guarantee that you can get this big difference. Because the only other result you can get is 100% one way or the other. It's either 2 to 1 or 100%. So you can get... Survey to by the way you construct it to get the result that you want to get. That's another way that we lie with statistics, and we are being lied to in that way all the time. And unfortunately, sometimes we spread those lies. This world is full of lies the little ones and the big whoppers. And the biggest liar of all is the devil. Jesus calls him the father of lies. When the devil whispers, The Lord can't be trusted, you can't trust God's word, that's a lie. When you hear, You're so bad that God can't forgive you, that's a lie. When you're told, You're so good, you're perfect just as you are, you don't need Jesus, that's a lie too. I actually heard a speaker in church once say, I don't need to be redeemed from anything, so I don't need a redeemer. I am 2,000 years more advanced than Jesus. I don't need to follow his primitive thinking. That was what somebody said in church. Well, that's just another lie. We all need Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So let's follow Jesus in the truth. Let's listen to the truth, speak the truth, and live the truth. Let's listen to the truth. When Pilate was questioning Jesus, if the things said about him were true, Jesus tells him, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth Listens to me. That's John 18 37. So listen to Jesus. Listen to the truth. And speak the truth. Don't be like those Berenstein bear cubs or like the people who toss around statistics to manipulate the truth. Let the words that come out of our mouths be truthful. You know, even one of the Ten Commandments speaks to that. Do you remember it? Commandment number nine do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Or as a contemporary English version puts it, "Do not tell lies about others." That's Exodus 20:16. Listen to the truth, speak the truth, and live the truth. Live a life of integrity. Walk the talk. First John 1:6 says, "If we claim we have fellowship with God and yet we walk in darkness, we lie, and do not live out the truth." So listen to the truth, speak the truth, and live the truth. That's the way of Christ. Anything else is, well, it's just a lie. And as the Berenstein Bears in the truth book says, no matter how you hope, no matter how you try, you cannot make truth out of a lie. So true. And that's why I'm bothered with this book's ending. I'm glad the the Cubs learned the importance of telling the truth. But the last line in this book is actually a lie. Remember what it said? Because trust is one thing you can't put back together once it's broken. Well, if that were true, there is no hope for any of us. For we have all broken God's trust. And probably we've broken someone else's trust too. And if there is no way to recover from that, if there is no way for forgiveness or reconciliation or rebuilding trust, then Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life. And he came for nothing. But Christ did reconcile us to God. And he can help us rebuild trust with others as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says all this is from God who reconciled us to himself to Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. Rebuilding trust isn't easy, it takes time, it takes effort, but trust can be restored with the help of God. And the story of Peter and his betrayal of Jesus is probably the the prime example of that in the Bible, of someone telling a lie leading to a broken relationship, but then having that relationship put back together. Do you remember the story? I'm sure you do. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus tells his disciples that they will all desert him. And Peter says, oh, not me. No, even if I have to die for you, I will never deny you. But of course he does. Three times. When he's put to the test, Peter flat out lies and says that he doesn't even know Jesus. But of course... He does. It's a lie. And so Jesus dies with the denial of his best friend ringing in his ears. The trust is broken. And no one would begrudge Jesus if Jesus rejected Peter and replaced him with another apostle to lead the church. I mean, how could Jesus trust him again after that kind of lie and betrayal? So then comes their meeting after the resurrection on the shores of Galilee. And three times Jesus asked Peter if he loves him. Do you remember that? It's from John chapter 21. The third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Friends, if you're like Peter or like the little bear cubs, and you've lied and betrayed and broken the trust of someone you love, your friend, your mother, your spouse, your brother, know that a single apology is probably not going to be enough. And you do not get to set the timetable of how many times is enough before your friend has to trust you again. Man, I've heard, I've heard that so often in counseling. The cheater says, I said I was sorry, and that I'd never do it again. What more can I say? I don't understand why she just can't let it go and go back to normal. But to rebuild trust takes repeated actions, and words that show you're committed to doing it. And you don't get to set the timetable of when you can let it go. If Jesus needs to hear from you three times that you love him, then you better be prepared to tell him three times. But then look what happens to Peter afterwards. After his third confession, he's restored to his role of taking care of Christ's sheep, the church. It's a lie that trust is one thing you can't put back together again once it's broken because it can be rebuilt. It's not easy, but it can be rebuilt through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And yes, we'll still bear the scars, just like Mama Bear's lamp was glued back together. You could still see the cracks in it, We still bear those scars when trust has been broken, but it can be brought together. We can be reconciled to God first and then to others. That's the truth. So listen to the truth, speak the truth, live the truth, and may the spirit of truth be with you. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing in your sight because they are true as you are true. Keep us from being deceived and and may we not deceive others. But if we fall short like the bear cubs and trust is broken, give us the courage to confess our untruthfulness and the power of the spirit of truth to restore what is broken. May we know the truth, speak the truth, and live the truth through Jesus Christ.